You are listening to the Nirvana Podcast, episode 15, In Utero, Side B. Hello everybody and welcome to the Nirvana Podcast. My name is Sietse. And I'm Juditja. And we are very happy that you tuned in uh, to our podcast. And what we do here is we talk about the history and the music of the rock band Nirvana. Um, In our previous episode, we talked about side A of their uh, 1993 album In Utero. And we figured that it only makes sense to talk about side B uh, on this episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Didn't you get the memo? No, no. What did you think we were going to do? Um... Unplugged? <laughs> we will do Unplugged, um, but I think in uh, just a bit further down the road. Okay, well, let's go with Side B from In Euro. Then. Yeah. That's cool I mean, as well. Yeah, also um, the podcast uh, is called In Euro Side B, so oh, people right. would be really confused if we started talking about their Unplugged album. <laughs> totally true. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with it. Okay, cool. So um, last time we talked about the first half, the first six songs of uh, In Euro. Before we're going to turn our attention to uh, the next uh, song, um, let's first um, discuss the artwork yeah. of, the, of the album uh, just uh, just a bit. It's a very uh, recognizable image uh, on the front, the uh, female figure with the yeah, see-through effect, so you can uh, see her organs and um, the, the angel wings uh, uh, attached to it. Yeah. They asked an, an artist to do this, right? This isn't Kurt's work. Um, no, I, no, I don't think so. No. I think I've read. I think it's in his uh, manager's book, mm-hmm. uh, "Serving the Servant," that Kurt saw the image of the female stature um, and wanted to use it. Yeah. But then uh, the museum that got him the image charged a lot of money for it because they found out that it was Nirvana who wanted to use it, ah. and they thought, "Oh, it's a big, rich rock band." So <laughs> right. And Kurt was really bummed out by that because, you know, making his art became harder and harder after he got so successful. Yeah. Uh, but then they had somebody else recreate that, something like that. Yeah. So, uh, but it, it was his idea inspired yeah. by an existing image. Yeah. They used this image quite a lot. They had it in uh, one of the videos and they, they took an image like this with them on tour, right? Yeah, so like, it's like uh, dolls on stage. Yeah. yeah. And one of those dolls is... Um, in the museum in Seattle, so you can see it there. Ah, so it's you've cool. seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Uh, I think they broke a couple of them too during the live Yeah, sets. I can imagine uh, <laughs> <At> the <laughs> that yeah. would have happened, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was looking at um, the, the front of the album this afternoon, and I like everything about it except for those gray lines. Oh, yeah. Like in the, in the, in the background. Yeah. I don't know why they threw those on. It's like a sort of a cracked... Um, like the desert or whatever. I liked it. Would have liked it even better if, if it was just like the soft yellow yeah. background with, with, without that. I, it looks I a have, bit cheap. Uh, I have. I, I agree. It looks a bit cheap. I have a feeling that it was probably first just the soft yellow, and that didn't work. So they tried to put something behind it. <laughs> it's a striking image, and it's very fitting. Yeah, ties together a lot of the themes that are. Um, in the lyrics of the of the songs on the album, so um, yeah, yeah, it totally works. And um, the title, yeah, also works with the title. Yeah, in utero, um, I always think it's funny that this is their um, 
follow-up album for Nevermind, who has um, famously had, had this this picture of a baby yep. on, the, on, the, on the sleeve. And now the they're, album they're is called here. In Utero. So <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going in backwards. A way they're, yeah, <laughs> taking a step back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really glad they went with uh, In Utero as the title and not I Hate Myself and I Want to Die. Yes. Which was Kurt's um, initial um, idea. But he but. was afraid that people wouldn't get the joke or yeah. maybe, maybe that they would get in legal trouble. Exactly, yeah. 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 I think he he would have eventually stepped off of that idea anyway because it's it's one of those things, like we talked about that before, like weird titles, weird band names, whatever. It's one of those things that you think, oh, yeah, this is fun. And then later on you sort of realize that. Ah, yeah. Just a cheap joke. Yeah, I think um, verse, chorus, verse was a, was a contender <laughs> yep. as an album title. Exactly. Um, and he used both those uh, titles uh, for uh, for songs. Yep. Um, but not for for the album. And there's not a uh, song called "In Utero." No. The words um, don't show up in no. any of the lyrics. No, I, I think, think so. he took them from a poem that Courtney Love wrote. Oh, could be. I don't know that struck story. a chord with with him. But uh, I think it's it's a great title. Yep. In one of our early podcasts, I had to uh, admit that when I was younger, I thought um, Bleach was called Blech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and for years, I pronounced this title as uh, In Utero. Ah, right. I, I, I think I even um, misspoke in one of our uh, uh, podcasts. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think yeah, so. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Utero um, sounds like a metal band. <laughs> utero yeah <laughs> yeah it does yeah but it's in, a, in utero and for those who don't know um, it's latin for um, in the womb right? yeah. yeah so yeah. we have that same kind of imagery on the back as well um and i think that was actually stuff that kurtz found and had in his home apparently he sort of put all of those things together and um he didn't photographed himself there was a photographer who came to his house to make these pictures so yeah it's a bit disturbing why you would have like plastic babies <laughs> in your home but yeah well he loved dolls that's true that's he collected true. them made yep. them himself threw them in the oven i don't know what he, what he, <laughs> probably what yeah yeah well I, I just said that creating his art became harder for kurt mm -hmm. now that he was like a famous um musician and he also got in trouble for um the artwork on the back of the album yeah because of the imagery on the yep. album and they had to cut some of it off um for the version that uh, would be sold in walmart yeah and also they had to change the title of um the song rape me yeah to wave me yeah so they could sell it over there yeah but it was only only the title on the album on the outside though yeah so if you have that version, uh, you'll see that the lyric sheet on the inside is still says Rape Me. Um, and the song itself hasn't been altered. So that was one of the reasons that they decided to <laughs> uh, give in and, and only change it on the outside. I think Kurt said some something like, one of the reasons that we're with a major label is that we want our music to be accessible to everyone. And like some kids can only go to like Walmart to get their music. So, yeah. and he said that yeah. when he grew up, he had to go to Walmart to get his music. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. And also, well, it was just probably good for album sales. Exactly. Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. Okay. So um, that's what the album uh, uh, looks like. Um, 
there's uh, some some pictures uh, inside of it. Um, the guy in drag is uh, Kelly DeWitt, mm-hmm. who uh, was uh, their nanny at some point, yeah. their friend. But uh, um, yeah, he'll come up in a later episode. Yeah, uh, we'll mention a different him again. Uh, different context. Right. So, um, are you ready for the first song on the second half of the album? Yes, I am. This is a very ape. This is a really good one to open up the second half of the album. Yeah, it's like a fresh start after um, Dumb. Yeah, last yeah. Uh, last song on uh, side A. Um, yeah, it's energetic. It's 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 cool. It's fun. It's it's a sh- it's a short song. Yeah, but it just you know like a nice um, kickoff song. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not the best on the album, but it works. It's uh, yeah. Again, I think just like with Serve the Servants, it's melodic enough to pull you in but also like grungy rocky enough to not be too radio friendly yeah yeah and um, i don't think this is like a very popular song no it's a bit overlooked maybe yeah but i i must say i, I really really like this one it's um it's really effective well 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 written yeah the lyrics um are uh very spot on in um well, 2020, where we are now. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. If you'd uh, said that he'd uh, written it uh, right now about a certain president, then that would have <laughs> been, uh, yeah, believable, I think. Yeah. It was very ape and not very nice. but uh, Yeah. Yeah, but it's from the perspective of that person, right? Yeah, so. that's, that's true. Yeah. But then again, um, the other... Part, as, as often happens with Kurt songs, seems to be about something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, out of the sky, into the ground, out of the ground, into the dirt. Yeah. Uh, that's probably how he sometimes felt yeah. and um, saw his um, his career. Yep. I mean, they came from nothing. They became global superstars, but then they had backlash from that. So, uh, um, and well, there was a lot of speculation that this would be the album that you know, would drive him back into the ground. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Which it, it, it wasn't, but, you know, they, they didn't set out to make an album to get a stronger position as, no. a, as a successful rock band. No, exactly. And I think that's that's one of the, the things that a lot of people get wrong, not just about Nirvana, but in general, that when you're an artist, you've done something that is hugely successful, that you will always want to become bigger and better with, like, the next thing you do, which is certainly not always the case because in general, you just want to make your art. Obviously, you want an audience for that, but it's not like a business where it's all about growth. So I think that that's something that's misunderstood often. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you want to destroy your career. Exactly. It just means that you want to go in a bit of a different direction. Yeah, exactly. And it also doesn't mean that... If like your next album sells less than your previous one, then that makes it uh, not a success. Right. Um, so yeah. True. Um, so let's have a listen to how Kurt um, wrote this song uh, on his own. 
so here's the um, acoustic demo version of uh, Very Ape. I've always wondered what, what happened there on that tape. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Maybe he just stopped and started again? or yeah, something some, like that. Yeah. Or he came up with like an idea for a counter melody or something like yeah. that. Or yeah, yeah, it could be. I always find it interesting that when you hear those, those first demos, that because you know the song as it turned out, you can... You can already hear it in there and 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 it's interesting but as with most guitar demos they tend to sound like sameish at the beginning which isn't bad it's just you can hear how he wrote his music because it's it's always like in four fourth time and it's sort of the same tempo all the time and just like okay these chords and then i'm gonna do some singing um, and that's how it starts. Yeah. And then it evolves from there. But it's sort of the basis of how he starts writing a song is is sort of always the same, which I find interesting. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, also the fact that he wrote uh, a lot of his music on an acoustic guitar, mm -hmm. but they um, played nine out of ten songs on an electric guitar yep. with loud distortion and loud drums and, and yep. uh, things like that. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, and I really like uh, what um, Dave Grohl uh, contributed to this song. Mm -hmm. I think he does an excellent uh, drum um, uh, part on it. Yeah. And uh, I want to um, highlight that uh, mm -hmm. a little bit. So uh, let's listen to the drums first and then uh, have the rest of the guys come in later. Yeah. I don't know what it's called, what he does on the on the on the drums, but um, like the um, the the extra thing he does. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't. Well, have I obviously a, yeah. don't know what it's called. <laughs> I don't know a lot about drumming, but it sounds so cool, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's perfect. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Dave does a great. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I I don't have a good drum vocabulary either, sorry, so I can't help you. But yeah, I I get. I'm, I'm sure everybody uh, knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. It, it really drives the song forward. Yep. Yeah, and and I I also like that it's uh, that short because you he could have done like an extra bar of those. Yeah. Uh, that would have actually been sort of more logical. That's something that you hear more often. But the fact that he only does it for that 
that short bar is is perfect. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't overdo it. No. So in in a way, it's surprising. Yeah. Every time again, it's it, it exactly. sticks out every time it comes up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's really a uh, really cool um, cool song. Um, so did uh, the guys from the Prodigy think, because they um, used this uh, guitar riff on their um, song uh, "Voodoo People." Yeah, want to listen to that as well? Yeah, I love that. That's not Dave Grohl on drums. No, but it could have been because uh, on another song, Dave actually provided uh, a beat for the Prodigy. True. True. On their song "Run with the Wolves." Yeah. And I didn't know that by heart. It just happened <laughs> to be in my notes <laughs> because I don't know that much about the Prodigy. Aww, but uh, shame. I knew they used a guitar riff, although I'm not sure if they sampled it or if they recreated it in no, the studio. No, I don't know. No, oh, it's, it's always hard to hear, and and it has to do with rights and whatever. So uh, yeah. Not yeah. sure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's 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 cool that um, guitarists get like a second life, and yeah, uh, I'm uh, I'm sure there's probably Nirvana fans out there who think that it's misusing or stealing their heroes' work, but uh, yeah, I think it's it's pretty cool, and it, it keeps the music alive as well. Yeah, as long as they do something fresh with it and yeah. something new, and they, uh, in my opinion, they uh, they obviously do. So um, yeah, definitely. Hooray for the prodigy! Yeah. So, um, want to move on to the next track, or yes, let's do that. Okay, so uh, the next track is called "Milk It." I think it's a very um, interesting experimental song. Mm-hmm. It may be just the direction that Kurt wanted to go in. This is a song that is um, sort of modeled after a band that um, especially Dave really liked, Jesus Lizard. And um, they were also produced by Steve Albini. That was sort of a link between like the sound that they wanted. Um, and you can hear that very well in this song. And it feels slightly experimental, especially on this album, especially for Nirvana. Not that they haven't done stuff like this, but compared with a lot of the other songs, it's sort of, it's a weird kind of thing in between here. Yeah, I must say, I really love this one. I think it works really well. It brings something new to the table. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, they have done stuff like this before. But a lot of the times those songs didn't end up on an album no. or weren't executed as well as they were here. No. So, I, I, yeah, I think it's it's really, really cool, especially the whole 
Bambi on ice <laughs> guitar part on yep. the quiet parts yep. where it seems like Kurt's playing just random notes <laughs> and he's bummed out of out of this world and then uh, comes in with with that killer guitar riff I think exactly yeah, it, it works really good and I think that goes for the entire song that each time you think okay this is they don't know what they're doing oh right they do know what <laughs> right. they're doing yeah. I mean the, already f- from the opening like the song starts and it's almost as if you're in in one of those horrible Latin American uh, <laughs> gigs that we talked about two episodes <laughs> ago like Kurt mumbling a bit and and not being sure what to do so you're listening to that and you're like what's happening and then all of a sudden it just he starts screaming and it's like so, oh right that wasn't an accident and this is just part of the song I guess yeah, and then like you said with with the guitars as well it's like every time you think it's not deliberate but it is yeah it's like a bit of a bipolar song <laughs> you, could, you could say yeah yeah, yeah. M- multipolar multipolar yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really a really strong one. Um, yeah, his singing is really really good. I mean, he's yep. screaming so so loud, and it's it's always weird to realize that he did most of the vocals in one day. Yeah, for the entire album. Yeah, that's I think that's unheard of. I mean, yeah. especially if you hear what he does to his <laughs> exactly <laughs> to yeah. his voice. Um, yeah, and it's really uh, really strong, and um, the lyrics are very intense as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of the classic. Cobain medical imagery yep. with some personal, slightly disturbing <laughs> fantasies yeah. in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's um the the lyrics are kind of like like the music as well. There's image in, in there, but it's sort of what he means is kind of obscured. And that's the same with like the melodies in there, because if you listen to this like just fleetingly um and you don't really pay attention to it to it it feels like just some kind of noise and then when you really listen to it you realize that there are so many different melodies in there yeah. um so it's sort of it's a song that needs unpacking i yeah. guess yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yes. and and lyrically as well i think most famous line from this one is uh look on the bright side suicide yeah obviously but there's a lot of other stuff in there uh Pet viruses and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what what's that closing line again? The the, the lyric sheet is on your uh, yep. side of the uh, table. Let me but read it to make sure your, that we your have smell it exactly. in my place of recovery. Right. Let me see. Your scent is still here in my place of recovery. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a uh, very intense image as well. Definitely. My association with it is that it's about maybe about being in rehab, mm-hmm. and yep. then getting visited by your loved one and then that person is gone and then you're going crazy again yep. <laughs> something like that yeah 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 definitely that that's the sort of image that i that i see as well uh, but it can it can mean a lot of things yeah of course um, to a lot of people and um, yeah yeah and some other parts are more like a stream of consciousness yeah or like yeah and connections also in your head um, yeah the words yeah, yeah, and especially like you said, the, the words. There's, there's also stuff in there that feels more like, like sound associations. He, he has that like uh, obituary birthday. That's two words that's interesting to put together, but it's also like the the, the sounds of the words that work together. So I think there's a lot in there that also has to do with sounds and not just with meaning. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, we just talked before about how uh, Kurt wrote his music. Um, let's have a listen to a demo version um, from just a few weeks before. This is a demo they did in um, Rio de Janeiro. And you can still hear um, that Kurt's working out the vocal melody and, and some of the words. So uh, here we go. Another great baseline there. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's true. We talked about uh, that last time. That um, Chris' uh, bass playing sometimes a bit overlooked. Yep. But uh, yeah, on this one he uh, he brings like a really dark tone. Yep. To it. Yeah. I don't really know how he how he does it, but yeah. it. Um, he has that kind of um, metal sound um, in the bass, and I mean metal as in the music metal, or not. Yeah. <laughs> that they also had on their first album and they sort of lost that a bit and in here it's it's that kind of sound again and that gives it that extra layer of of darkness I yeah. guess yeah yeah it's true it's um it really works for the yep. for this song yeah but and I love that, yeah. love that part where um the whole band has a break and the guitar uh, keeps on playing yeah it's cool it's great it's such a great uh, one of the effect yeah Especially because that again, that's one of those moments where you're like, okay, what's what's happening here? And and it's something that they usually don't do. So hmm. yeah, I think those two songs, "Very Ape" and "Milk It," make an excellent combination to, yep. to kick off the the second half of the album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, um, the abrupt ending of "Very Ape" and then the beginning of "Milk It." also are like a great combination they did i think we we talked about combinations like that before in previous albums but here they do it again yeah yeah really uh, really cool um and then it gets followed by a um, completely different song a completely different sounding song yeah uh because uh, hey what's that we hear it's an acoustic guitar yeah <laughs> i'm on my time with everyone This is one of those uh, older songs. Um, there's a really old uh, a, a version out there, I think, from 1990 or so, mm-hmm. in which Kurt um, um, just wrote this song and made a four-track a demo uh, um, of it. Mm-hmm. I think he had some help uh, from uh, from Dave Grohl. Yeah, I, I guess it's during that period that they lived together in the same right. house when yeah. when Dave just joined the band mm-hmm. and they were um, poor and depressed <laughs> all of the time. <laughs> together in a really really um 
filthy uh, yep. <laughs> house. Yeah, let's have a, a listen to that first and then I'll talk yep. a bit more about it. I must say, I think I would have liked it better if they had stuck more to this arrangement and this way of playing the mm -hmm. song than what it ended up to be on a in utero album. I get what you mean. I'm not sure if I agree, but maybe I, mean, I do. Not, not exactly like <laughs> no, this, but more no. toned down, more yeah. low singing. I, yeah. it, it, it feels a bit like, um, what to do with this song? You know what? We're just going to... Start off quiet and then go loud yeah. and do a lot of screaming because that's what we always do <laughs> and it works really well. Yeah, no, I, I do totally agree with that. I think I, what I like about this old demo version is it sort of channels like Leonard Cohen or something like that. Yeah, that who gets mentioned in the lyrics. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you can you can just hear it, especially by those those first lines the 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 way kurt is is singing those is is like he's almost trying to mimic leonard cohen which i mean we've talked about this before he's he's tried to mimic others often yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case it's it's quite clear and like you said he gets mentioned so we know it's it's <laughs> not a coincidence but like my opinion on this song changes every time i think yeah. I do hope you also have the Scott Litt version. I do. Because that's something that we need to explain as well, I think, for yeah. people who don't realize. Yeah, uh, we talked about this a bit uh, last time as well, but um, after they had uh, finished the album with their producer, um, Steve Albini, um, they decided to have another producer, Scott Litt, um, come in and remix some of the songs. Mm -hmm. They had another guy. They had to have hire another guy because uh, Steve Albini refused to do remixes because he said, "Well, I've, I've yeah. done with it what I can do, yeah. and I think it's it's fine the way until, it is." Until until 2013, that was <laughs> until 2013. That was when to celebrate the 20th uh, uh, anniversary of the album, yeah. uh, he did do new new mixes, but that was different. Yeah, that wasn't because. Yeah. People were criticizing no. it. I'd, I'm I'm not dissing Steve Albini. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that he said like, okay, this is this is what I've done with it, and if you want something different, then you need somebody else. Yeah, um, which is like fits with the rest of the things we know about him, like the the way he worked. So uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, me too. And um, um, in a recent interview, he said um, that he was fine with the band going to somebody else yeah. and have it altered because he wanted, well, he said, well, it's your record, so you yeah. have to be happy with it. Exactly. I'm not sure if that's the way he felt about it <laughs> back in the day. But sure. anyway, um, that's the reason why we have a different um, mix of this song. We already talked about the uh, Walmart version of the album. Mm -hmm. And also on that version, there's um, this remix. Yeah, uh, which which is track. interesting because it's not, uh, it's only on that version. That came out later. So apparently it wasn't done in time, I guess, for the original release. Yeah, not, not um, sure. 
wasn't just on the Walmart. It was also the, the, the single version was this remix. So depending on what version you have at home, if you have the original one, uh, you have the version that we just heard. And yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you got the Walmart version or if you have the 2002 Best of compilation album yep. called Nirvana, the one with the, with the black um, cover, mm-hmm. um, then you have the Scott Litt version. And that sounds like this. I'm on my time So what do you think is the main difference between the original version and the remixed version? Well, I I like this version much better um, because, like you just said, this song is like the demo version is maybe how it should have been. Um, well, not, not exactly in, how it no, should have been, but, but yeah. the, the direction <laughs> that I would like to yeah. see it being developed in. Yeah, and I think that... Um, if this is the direction that they wanted to go in, then this Scott Litt version is like the best mix of it because he really goes all out in um, making that, that again, that cleaner sound, the more nevermind-like sound. Um, there's more bass in this one, which I think is one of the, the good things about this song. The bass line is great, especially in the beginning. And um, we said like... I, I just mentioned that the demo, those first lines, he channels Leonard Cohen. Well, in this version, he channels in those first lines Michael Stipe from R.E.M. And yes. basically, Scott Litt is the R.E.M. guy. And this is, like, if you hear that opening, it's just, it's as if it's an R.E.M. song. And then it turns into a Nirvana song when they go all out. But th- those those first couple of lines, it could just have been... R.E.M. It's a bit uh, man on the moony. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's exactly that. And because of that, you would have always wanted it. Like, if you go into that direction, then just go for that, I guess. Yeah. Um, for me, it doesn't work that then, like, this, I think the same same thing that you were saying. Like it, Then they go like, oh, yeah, we're going loud again. So let's do that. Maybe they should have stuck with like the whole REM. So I would have, let's say, I would have liked to hear an REM cover of this one. Oh yeah, that would. That, be nice. I think that would be, been a great song. Then. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. When they go loud, they just go really loud. Yep. You're doing a lot of uh, guitar overdubs. Mm-hmm. I've uh, lined them up so we can hear cool. how many uh, layers <laughs> of guitar are uh, are in <laughs> Lots here. Lots of them. Yeah, um, um, and it always surprises me that how much. Of those overdubs are in there without mm-hmm. you even realize it, but um, here they are uh, yeah, stacked together.
those guitar overdubs. No wonder they needed an extra guitarist to go on tour. Yeah, that's uh, that's right. Yeah. And also, um, when they recorded Nevermind, um, their producer uh, of that album, uh, Butch Vig, um, he uh, later said that he sometimes had to convince Kurt or trick yeah, Kurt into true. doing uh, uh, overdubs, yep. both uh, vocally and, and uh, with his guitar. Yeah. Apparently, that wasn't a problem anymore. No. Because he, he did it here. And I've never heard Steve Albini say that he had to trick Kurt by saying, oh, uh, we didn't get it right. <laughs> no, uh, the guitar no. was out of tune. I forgot uh, to press uh, the record button. I yep. don't know <laughs> what kind of trickery uh, uh, went, went down. but um, And that's that's also actually, now that you mention it, it's sort of, that's weird because... Like, Nevermind was the quote-unquote overproduced album. Right. And this was going to be the let's all go into a room and put a lot of microphones and just record kind of album. But this has a lot more overdubs. So it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is. And uh, yeah. and But this time they weren't criticized for it. No. The only criticism they got was that it was too raw. <laughs> yep. I, th- I also think it's interesting that uh, he called the song Pen and Royal Tea, which is like um, a herbal mix that would induce an abortion, I think, yep. uh, which doesn't really work, but some people tried it, yep. I suppose. And he wrote it back in 1990. Yeah. So, I mean, he always had like a fascination for babies and birth and reproduction yep. and, and things like that as well. But it's so, it's so weird that he wrote this song three years before he became a father yeah and before he knew that it would be on an album called in utero yeah and and before he would make a hit record with a baby on the on, <laughs> on, on, the, on the front cover it's yeah. a conspiracy <laughs> <laughs> a lot can be explained by just his fashion fascination for for specific things but yeah it is it is a sort of weird kind of combination uh, yeah yeah and um i'm thinking back to the songs on on bleach their their first album i don't think it has that much baby birth medical stuff no that 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 all came after bleach yeah 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 Yeah. so that's apparently something that that slipped into his work and and never left no yeah um apart from that i i wouldn't be able to really pin down what this song is about i think it's about depression basically yeah that, that's sort of what it feels like it has that sort of sad feeling to it i guess i'm so tired i can't sleep i have very bad posture which is a weird line anyway but yeah. i mean it's he states a couple of things that aren't too happy and and then Give me Leonard Cohen's Afterworld. I mean, Leonard Cohen is isn't that kind of a happy songwriter either. No. <laughs> um, he's great, but it's it's not always a really uh, um, a positive world for you. <laughs> so yeah, and I think like also that what I like is is that line "sit and drink penny royal tea." I think that for me at least that works because of that sit. It's not drink penny royal tea. It's just as if you're just sitting down and and just having some tea, but it's it's abortion tea. It's sort of like as if you're just quietly doing something that is depressing or something like that. 
I don't know. It just for me that sort of works. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure if I if I know what a, <laughs> what, what you mean, but you know, it, it, with a lot of these songs, it's like just whatever your mind makes of it. Yeah, just dismiss me like that. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know I ca I can't really explain it, but it uh, it it sort of feels like a song about just sitting around and and feeling sorry for yourself. I guess huh. that sort of feeling. Okay, so then uh, let's uh, move on to uh, radio friendly unit shifter. I think this was the opening song for pretty much all of their live shows they did uh, mm -hmm. after this album came out. Came out. Um, I can totally see why. Yep. It's it's a great introduction. They could have used this one as the opening track for the album, I think. Yeah, although it's it's slightly less friendly, I think, than the opening song that they had now. So... Are I you mean, suggesting yeah. that it's not a radio-friendly <laughs> unit shifter? Yeah, I don't think it is. <laughs> yeah. no, no, it's not. It's obviously an ironic title. Yes, definitely. Um, but uh, but I, I I don't think it's like a, like a noise song that's unlistenable. No, no. I it, mean, it's very melodic, actually. So yeah. yeah, he had this guitar riff for quite a long time mm -hmm. as well. Yep, but never really turned it into a song and uh, and uh, now they did yeah and that guitar is well that's basically all that uh, <laughs> chris is playing on his bass it's yep. like the same riff over and over again yeah for, for some reason it works and it, it, it stays interesting for me i love that middle part where they get like he gets that reverb on on the guitar and then like his singing is is like soft and low and you think okay where is this going and then it goes into that guitar solo yeah. this is an example of of how a song has those little extras that make yeah. it interesting i yeah. think yeah i know what you mean also the um same goes for the, like the introduction mm -hmm. those guitar noises yep i'm not i'm not really sure how they make those but they did that live as well yep like i said be before they started playing they could only hear those guitar tones yep. coming out and uh, well, you already said um, they took on a second guitar player yep. um, to to go on uh, uh, on tour with them. Yep. So that really added something, I think. Yeah, definitely. A bigger, louder sound. Yep. And um, yeah, um, I wish I would have seen them live. <laughs> yeah. Um, on on several um, stages in their <laughs> career, but definitely also uh, in their um, four-piece lineup with Pat Smear. Yeah. As an extra guitar player playing these songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
definitely. Yeah, and apparently uh, this this song was also inspired by Steve Albini's band Big Black. We mentioned that last time, um, and and I think this is also one of those songs that um, really benefits from his production because it's it sounds exactly like it should be. Yeah, it's it's lyrically it's 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 great as well. Um, I think working title for it was Nine Month Media Blackout. Yep. Um, referring to um, a very tough period that Kurt and Courtney had uh, when they found out that they were going to have a baby. And then um, articles in the press came out that uh, Courtney used heroin while she knew she was pregnant. Yep. Um, Kurt was struggling with a heroin addiction uh, during the same time. Um, he, all of a sudden, he was he was this this super rock superstar. Yep. So <laughs> exactly. it was a really really intense period, and I think some images from that time show up in the lyrics, yep. like the um, the blanket with cigarette burns and and, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Again, this is one of those songs like Milk It that that you really you can really unpack. Like there's so much in there to to listen to, and I can appreciate that this. Again, is not one of those songs that you like. <laughs> if you want to convince somebody, like, oh, uh, you don't know Nirvana, l- listen to this. Yeah, um, this might not be the the the, the first one to use, no. but this is one of those songs that I think makes this album so great that there's more to it. Yeah. So, and I also really like the um, the bridge part in it. Yep. Uh, lyrically, that that's. Um... Uh, quite different than what Kurt usually writes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not the first one to point this out, but it's almost like a, like a mantra. Yep. Like like rules to live by, yep. Or, yep. almost. Although I'm not sure if he directed those to their um, to his listeners and his fans, but maybe more to himself yep. or, or something like that. But um, yeah, let's have a listen to that part. Yeah. Hate your uh, enemies, save your friends. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and also it's a it's a it's a very intense musical part. Yep. Yeah, uh, with those pounding drums yep. that they've uh, they've it's, it's uh it's really great. Um, so that's a radio friendly unit shifter. Uh, we're almost uh, at the end of the album, but um, if you thought a radio friendly unit shifter was a loud song, let's. Um, <laughs> Let's open up our ears to Tourette's. Moderate rock. <laughs> This is not a song that everybody will like. I mean, 
you just said uh, if people are not really into Nirvana, um, what's a song to convince them? This is probably not one. No. Unless it's somebody who thinks Nirvana is too soft. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's a really hard, rocking, punky song. Um, how do you like it? Um, I have uh, really mixed feelings about this song. I um, I think musically it's really good. I hate the title. I hate the the lyrics. Uh, if you can speak of lyrics, yeah. I don't appreciate the let's say joke of uh, the Tourette's um, because I think it's it's cheap. Like yeah, really. Let's let's call it Tourette's and then shout words yeah I, I i never had the impression that it was a, a joke title and well first of all for those of you who don't who don't know um tourette's is a disease um that makes people do um things out of their control yeah they and have in, like in, in rare cases it's it's using uh bare bad language and and yeah but basically words yeah, they yeah. shouldn't say but could, could also be like nervous tics with your, with exactly. your body and it's stuff, in, stuff like involuntary that. uh spasms yeah right yeah um i think kurt mostly went with the uh, uh verbal yep signs of, of the disease that doesn't happen uh, with everybody who, who, who gets it I, I don't, I'm not sure if he meant it as a joke. I think he once explained it as well, he was portraying himself or he was envisioning himself as um, a couple of years down the road being that guy walking on the streets, having no control about the, the crazy guy just shouting about everything. Yeah, but that's not like... <laughs> I'm just going to be really politically correct here, but the crazy guy walking on the street just shouting huh? is not a person with Tourette's. Probably not. So, uh, I'm maybe. Would, would, yeah. Do Do you think that um, alcoholism would have been a better title <laughs> for this song? Yeah, maybe. I just, I just think I maybe I'm sensitive to it because um, I think there was a period, and I think that actually might have coincided with the, the same period as that this album came out. That Tourette's was one of those things that was sort of in fashion. Uh, you sometimes have these these ailments, diseases, uh, afflictions that, for some reason, all of a sudden get a lot of attention. Yep. And Tourette's was one of those. And there was this period where, like, everybody was sort of talking about that, making jokes about it, doing sketch comedy about that, um, uh, stuff like that. So I think that probably that makes me sensitive to, oh, no, not another one doing like, oh, oh Tourette's, that's so funny. People shouting swear words. Yay. Yeah. So I, that's sort of... I totally probably, get your yeah. point. <laughs> I just never um, had the impression that it was intended that way for this song. No. Because it's not it's not a particular funny song. <laughs> no, of course it's, not. It's, but... it's, it's, it's Maybe it's more like criticizing himself mm-hmm. for... Sometimes being out of control or yeah. using bad words or acting crazy, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it, it's more. But again, serious Tourette than is that. not acting crazy. It's I know that, but you should <laughs> explain that to <laughs> Mr. Cobain. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, but just just to be. Yeah, to be yeah. I, I, I get where you're coming yeah. from. Yeah. I just never took it that no. way, and also maybe that whole Tourette thing as a joke. Um, Came a, a bit later, but I'm not not sure. I'm not sure either. So I mean, this uh, was 1993. I, I must say that the interesting thing is uh, with that title is that 
the disease is called after the the the, the person who <laughs> want to say invented it, but that's not the right word. Discovered it. Discovered it. Thank you. Um, but on the album cover, it's actually the only title that's written with uh, without a capital letter at the beginning. So there must be something there because that's done deliberately. And if it was like it, the disease is with a capital T. And all of the titles on the album are with all capitals at the beginning of every word. And Tourette's is the only one that doesn't have that. So there's something in there that's interesting. So maybe that's deliberate because it's not about the disease. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Never made that uh, observation before. <laughs> um, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It must be for some sort of reason. Yeah. At least it's something that that he thought about, which yeah. is good. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like um, The Eagle Has Landed as a title for this song? <laughs> uh, that would be really weird, but yeah. <laughs> do you know why I'm asking this? <laughs> no. Okay, well, Tell have me. a listen. Hey, Bootleggers. This is a new song, and we don't really feel like actually going through the trouble of putting out ourselves. This so. song is called The Eagle Has Landed. Yes, it is for all of you bootleggers to go ahead and go. <laughs> And that's why on a lot of <laughs> bootlegs, the song is actually called The Eagle Has yeah, Landed. Yeah, yeah. Because this is one of the first time they played it live. And that, that title was definitely a joke. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it would have been a great song um, in their live set for everybody to go crazy and yeah. all the energy out. And I I like how how this live version is actually a tad faster than the album version, which I think suits the, the, the melody better. Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering if they had a lot of uh, debate about putting this song on the album. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine that some people had some arguments um, for uh, not including it mm -hmm. and maybe put on some of the songs that ended up as uh, B-sides, yep. like um, I Hate Myself and I Want to Die, perhaps, yep. Yep. Uh, because they left that one off because Kurt said, well, we had enough noisy songs. Yeah, yeah, true. And so it makes sense to replace it with that. Yeah. Um, I, th I think um, it's... it's uh, it's a nice, nice addition to the whole of the album. It's yeah. not one of my favorite tracks, but it's short and fast and, you know, it's all out. Exactly. It's like all all the knobs uh, turn to 10 and just bang <laughs> yeah. it out. And it's uh, right before the closing track, which is um, a lot quieter and more um, melodic and, uh, yeah, more, more serious at least, because that's um, All Apologies. such a beautiful song and such a great yeah uh, ending of the album yeah 
Oh, yeah, I think it's really a really good one. Definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, mine as well. And I think this song does what Penny Royalty doesn't do. It fits together better. Like the, the loudness isn't too loud and there is more room for for the melody. That's why for me this works very well. And I just it, it feels like the improved version of, of Penny Royalty, I guess. For yeah. me, Penny Royalty can just they could have taken it off. Yeah. Because they have this one. This is one of the three songs that got remixed by uh RDM producer Scott Litt. Yeah. Like you said, Penny Royalty uh, and and this one. Yeah. And also um uh, Heart Shape Box. Yeah. So they Definitely had him come in to do the more melodic songs yep. and probably the ones they wanted to put out as a single. And uh, I totally understand why this would be a single. I yep. don't really get it for Pin Royalty, but maybe that's just uh, that just that's just me. I think in an earlier version, it sounds even a bit more REM <laughs> me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just realized that I just said man on the moony and now I say R.E.M. But um uh, that's that's apparently how you think about R.E.M. Yeah. yeah. That's, that <laughs> says um says a lot about me. Um but in uh, January 1991 they made a demo version uh, for this one um having Chris uh, play guitar mm-hmm. and it sounds a bit more uh, jingy jingly jangly e R.E.M. me biddly <laughs> Um, and um, I've read that uh, the title they had for uh, for it at the time was uh, La La La. Ah, so. good title. <laughs> This is uh this is Beach Boys. I, <laughs> I I immediately when I hear this I feel the urge to just do like four part harmonies on top of this mm. and, and yeah. Beach yeah. Boys. Yeah, cool. it it sounds almost too happy for a Nirvana song yep. Yep. this way. Um But it is it is a happy song. It's something that, that Kurt himself mentioned as well that to him this was a sort of a a happy song, a yeah, peaceful it, it, song. I mean, it, it I, was Kurt's take on a happy song. Exactly, I mean. but to me, it's not specifically happy. But I, I can get with the peaceful. That's also why I think it works as a final song on the album. It's a good closer. It sort of feels like okay when this this song is over. Yeah, I feel satisfied. Well, in this early version, it's it sounds really peaceful and almost <laughs> cheerful. Yeah. In the definitive album version, it's more melancholy. Yeah, I think yeah. that's that's well, that can there. be happy and, as well. True, and also, li- but also lyrically, you know, married, buried. Um, yeah. I don't know. There, that just not, rhymes. I, I, sure, <laughs> but you could make up other words that are <laughs> true. A, 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 a bit more positive, perhaps. That's and, true. Um, but um, it, it. I wish I was like you, easily amused. Mm-hmm. It's still. Yeah. It's yeah, not, I get what you mean. Yeah. He's not straight out no. happy, yeah. Um, no, but on the other hand, that final line that gets repeated, like, all it's in all, all, it's all, all we are. are, that sort of, that feels like closure and, and sort of at peace with the world, I True. guess. True, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, we can focus on that a bit more when we do the Unplugged album, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that on the Unplugged version, they sing All Alone is All We Are. Mm-hmm. Could be. If I don't you know. Do some close listening, or maybe it's just me. But, uh, <laughs> we will uh, inspect that um, <laughs> when we do the uh, unplugged yeah. album. I, you were just mentioning before, like lyrics that are sort of more like a, a affirmative thing or a mantra or whatever. And this is this is also, I think, one of those. Yeah. So, so it sort of fits. This is more like a mantra because a mantra is something that you can repeat over yeah. and over again, yeah, right? True. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think before I didn't really use the word correctly. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I think a lot of the more melancholy feeling and maybe a bit more um, sadness in there comes from uh, the, uh, the the cello part yeah. that's uh, that's in there. Um, that's not on the uh, demo version. Cello is played by uh, Kira Shaley, mm-hmm. um, who also did the cello uh, part on, on Dump. Um, let's uh, listen to what she actually plays on a cello towards the end of the song. improvisation going on for her as well because obviously they hadn't <laughs> provided her with like sheet music or whatever <laughs> she's she's basically jamming as well um and you can hear when she that first part that we heard that uh you hear sort of i'd say the, the reverb of of the cello uh strings a bit uh which which makes it clear that that she is definitely jamming because she's the sounds you make is sort of is when you're trying out stuff, um, hmm. so that's intentional. And then when she goes back to the to the bass notes, she she takes uh, those notes and then she uh, jumps down an octave and do, does the same notes. So she's she's definitely sort of jamming on what the song is doing, uh, which which is great. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, also, um, in the like the the isolated tracks that we just heard. It was supposed to be only the cello and the vocals, mm-hmm. but you can hear an acoustic guitar in there as yep. well. I think I know why that is, because I was looking at an uh, interview with um, Steve Albini, who did an interview quite quite recently, on which he talked that when Kurt did the uh, vocals for the album, uh, on, on some occasions he had something with him that he shook. Mm-hmm. And at first it was like this stick that <laughs> you can make like rainy sounds and stuff like that a rain stick a rain stick yeah and then that would come on the uh, recording of course Mm -hmm. and he asked uh, steve if he could get rid of that and he (laughs) said 
no, no because <laughs> you were yep. doing that while you are singing yeah um so that's not not possible so then he took like this really old battered acoustic guitar and sometimes would strum that or yeah just just hit it while singing mm-hmm. and I, I i think that's what you actually hear right well that's interesting because that means that when he was just doing the vocals he felt the need to also do something rhythmically with his hands. Yeah. That's that's really interesting. And, and not just making gestures, which exactly. I can imagine a lot of singers do. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but I've never heard um, stories like that, that he did that before with yeah. other producers and other records that he did. So maybe it was just that one day when he was <laughs> exactly. singing this entire yeah. album. Um, yeah. Um, he felt the need to do that or it was something that felt good at the time yep. or something like that but that's why you sometimes get those um, other sounds in right. as well and yes. you don't really hear them in the full mix no because it gets buried a bit but um, yeah if you isolate the tracks you can actually uh, you hear, hear that. that cool so uh, what I uh, what I also like in this song um, talking about the, the vocals is that um, distortion on the high notes I don't know if you ever realized that but when you hear him sing all apologies like the whole the the, the high note yeah in every every second line there is a slight distortion like an electronic distortion on that just d- n- n- never realized <laughs> that now, now i want okay, to l- listen it. to it yeah if, um, you, if you know it you hear it okay i'm gonna give it a go what else should i be all apologies. There it is. What else could I say? Everyone is gay. What else could I write? I don't have the right. Yeah, you're you're right. Do you think it's distortion, or is it more like a sort of um, pre-autotune trick? To yeah. make sure that he actually can hit the note. I don't know. It also, when you listen to it like like this, like that, that just separated from the rest, it also sounds like like an echo. It has this sort of like it's it's echoing, or or his voice is just doubling up on that one note. Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah, not th- sure. Th- that, yeah. that could be it as, as, as well. That yeah. he double tracked it but only yeah. for that note yeah yeah it yeah. could be he's he's sung higher notes than that so i don't think it it's a vocal aid per se uh because he he hits it just fine I'm, yeah i'm, I'm thinking back <laughs> on, on those uh, really high notes on uh on a scentless apprentice yeah exactly. that's a lot so, higher then again yeah. that's maybe different singing style yeah this i mean it is a hard note to hit because it's it's the first note yeah. of the line. So yeah. yeah, but then again, he did it live often. So yeah, so let's just uh, assume that it was like a yeah. Although sometimes they did tune it down. I think. Oh, it's interesting. Possibly. Yeah, look yeah. it up, and maybe uh, <laughs> another time. We'll, I'm, I'm just we'll wondering whether I think the unplugged version is tuned down actually. For more on that, tune in to our uh, uh, Nirvana Unplugged episode as soon as we've made it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes it's a bit uh, tricky to have um, songs come back later on other um, records. But in this case, it's pretty... Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's pretty uh, convenient. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why we're going to save the... um, 
solo acoustic demo uh, for the uh, unplugged version yep. uh, as well. Let's do that. Um, because we have one more uh, song to go mm-hmm. before we can uh, say goodbye to our listeners. And that's uh, the bonus track. Gallons of Robin Alcohol Flow Through the Strip. This is like the bonus track on the album, yeah. um, repeating the uh, trick they did on uh, Nevermind, um, mm-hmm. which was pretty new and fresh back then. Yeah. So I don't really know why they did it again. They no kind idea. of made fun of it. I think there was like a, a sticker on the album that said uh, with an uh, international bonus track on it, something <laughs> oh, like wow. that. But. Yeah. yeah, and in this case, there's not a lot of uh, long silence after the last nope. track. It's just an extra track on the album yep. that's not um, on the sleeve. On the sleeve, yeah. So buying it, you think you get 12 songs, yes. but um, in fact, you get uh, 13 songs. Yep. I could do without this this one. Yeah, me too. Um, although it has a um, sort of David Lynch feeling to it that I like. I, I would have like... Like to see a uh, like a David Lynch movie with this one in it, <laughs> or maybe like in Twin Peaks you had this this place where bands came to perform, um, even more so in the the most recent Twin Peaks uh, uh, um, season. Uh, um, and still I still haven't seen that one. Oh, go see it. It's weird but good. <laughs> But um, and they had like bands play their songs, and basically that would just be that would be a scene, just the band playing the song. Mm. And I can totally see them performing this song, like in a like red velvety curtains, and having that kind of eerie feeling to it. And yeah, that yeah. that would have been cool. I understand why they made it. It's a bit like a, a bit like a jam song, yeah. but. I'm not really sure why they put it on the album. It's no. to me, it's like a lesser version of Milk It. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's okay. Yeah, but, but it, like you said, it shouldn't. I mean, they they kept off like I hate myself and I want to die. Um, Marigold, Marigold, Seppi. Uh, yeah. So so why this was the one? I mean, the, the, I guess the, because the tempo is different. Yeah. That. That might sort of make it work. Um, I I'd rather have this one after all apologies than I hate myself and I want to die. I mean, yeah, this, this sort and of continues in that melancholy feeling. So yeah, yeah. And they had like a it was almost like a tradition to have a, a bonus track and yeah. that being more like a spont- more or less spontaneous jam and yep. not an actual song. Yep, true. So I I, I get that that yep. concept, but yep. uh, on the other hand, it's just. All apologies is is such a great ending, and you don't want this blasting after that. 
I yeah. Guess. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's the same thing um, that they did on Nevermind. I mean, yeah, but at least there in a way you had a great like ending. Yeah. a lot of time in between. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> the surprising effect of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Um, this is the only song that's on the album that wasn't um, from those sessions with uh, Steve Albini yeah. in the studio. And they recorded this one in uh, Rio de Janeiro when mm -hmm. they did the uh, demos there. Um, so apparently they liked it enough. Yeah. Well, not enough to turn it into a proper <laughs> album track, nope. but enough to share it with the rest of the world, yeah. uh, I suppose. Um, I don't think they played it live a lot. No. But we do have a version of them playing it um, in the soundcheck mm -hmm. before they played uh, their show in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, as well, you know, uh, our uh, podcast tradition is that <laughs> when we discuss an album, we pretty much... Um, play uh, different versions uh, of uh, of the tracks as well. Yep. So let's not make an exception <laughs> and uh, let's just have a quick listen to that uh, soundcheck version. Yep. That pretty much uh, brings this podcast to an end, I think. Yeah. Um, overall, how do you feel about um, In Utero as an album? Yeah, it's great. I I think it's not perfect. Um, I think we we already discussed some of the uh, some of the pitfalls <laughs> of the album, but I do think that it comes most closely to what they wanted to be as a band, and you can hear that. And I also think that seeing that they hadn't played together much and they weren't always too happy with each other as persons. This album sounds um, incredibly harmonious and coherent and full of musical joy. So yeah, in that aspect, I think this is a, this is a great third album for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think so too. It's, it's, it has like the best of both worlds. If you look at the previous albums, yep. it has some of the rawness of Bleach and some of the production value and, and melodies of uh, a, a Nevermind. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's always a bit tricky because I feel like if you, as a Nirvana fan, have to say what your favorite <laughs> album is, you're supposed to say In Utero or, <laughs> or maybe Bleach. Yeah. But um, I think In Utero is my favorite Nirvana album, even though uh, when I was younger and I was really discovering nirvana really into them i thought it was a bit a, a tough one to get yeah i liked some of the songs but as a whole it wasn't really i didn't really get it no um so i think in a way it's a lot more uh, it's a more mature album yeah with the themes that are on it and 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 the way it sounds and the way that it's been put together 
You have um, to work work for it a bit yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, and, we mentioned that before. Can, yeah, yeah it's, that there's a couple of songs on there that, and the album as a whole, it it's not an easy listen. You yeah. really need to get deep into it to to appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. And the tracks that I like the least are the um, older songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that makes me f- always <laughs> feel like he was getting better yeah. at what he did, even though he was going through some really rough times yeah. and um, didn't have the time or um, opportunity to write new material. And he mm-hmm. lost some of the material that he wrote. We've we've discussed that last time. But the stuff that he did come up with, the new songs... I think they were pretty much all among the best work that he ever did. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's kind of sad that he never uh, he never got to continue on that road. Yeah. And we never got got any more from it. But uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a great album. Yeah, definitely. And um, I really enjoyed discussing it with you. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. And I hope. Uh, our listeners enjoyed uh, uh, this episode as well. Yeah. If you do and you want to praise us <laughs> <laughs> for that, then you can send an email to uh, surewoodpodcast at gmail.com or find us on facebook.com slash Nirvana podcast. And don't forget to uh, rate us or write a review or whatever. That's always a good thing as well because it uh, helps people find our podcast easier. So yeah, please do. Absolutely. Thanks for <laughs> adding that because... Uh, um, I sometimes forget it or I think it's a bit embarrassing to ask people to uh, to give us nice reviews. Well, you can give bad reviews as well. I mean, if you if don't. you hate us, you no, can... No, don't. Oh, oh okay. No. Sorry. So five stars only. Five, star, five stars only. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, seriously, we would love to uh, hear from you if yeah. you're listening to this and I uh, just, uh, you know, so we know uh, how, how you feel about it. What do you like about what we're doing? And also, uh, if we made a mistake or we're doing something that you don't like that much... Um, Um, We can learn from it. Yep, definitely. Yes. Um, And uh, please come back for our next episode. Yes. Because we'll continue. There's more to tell about after recording in utero. Don't look it up because you'll you'll find spoilers. (laughs) No, but um, I want to thank everybody uh, for listening. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, uh, podcasting with me again. Thank you for listening. And uh, until next time. Bye. See you.